Here's your bracket members, Dave Gilbert, Steve Boehner, Rafael Flores, Walter Gleason, Nikita Lear, Cade Nelson, Logan Smith, Joey Wolf, Caden Gaffer. This is the Bracket U with your host, Coach Don Sony. Welcome to Bracket U, a college basketball bracket podcast brought to you by Delphi Bracketology. We're in our ninth year of Bracketology and wish to bring you weekly updates uh, to, for those who want to know where their favorite team stands in regards to the NCAA tournament. So this podcast is for all you junkies who have March Madness all season long, and, and we're able to do this because of uh, great sponsorship of Coca-Cola Bottling of Kokomo and generous donations of our followers. Uh, we give a special thanks to Bob Thompson for creating our intro music, Caden Gasser, a junior, for putting that together on an intro video. For Jared Morris of the Assembly Call for inspiring us uh, to branch out, I'm Brian Tonsoni, and joining me tonight is a first-year bracketologist from Wabash College, Gabe Bussinger. Gabe, how are you doing this evening? Doing well. How are you? I'm great. I'm just so excited to have you on the show as a as a young person who wants to get involved in what I think is a, a fantastic exercise uh, during basketball season and, and, and answer questions and, and pick your brain as well. Uh, so let's let's get started gage i think the the one seeds are are pretty pretty well entrenched except for the the last one seed and in some order you have alabama houston kansas and purdue how do you feel about purdue at that number uh four spot that last spot on the one seed line yeah so purdue has established themselves as a one seed for right now Definitely over the past month, um, having a pretty rough February has uh, positioned them from you know, really being the number one overall seed to now the last number one seed. I think they have some breathing room. Um, I believe that there's a team that would take their spot. It would be between right now UCLA or maybe a Baylor. Um, both squads have uh, pretty good resumes, but Purdue's is a little bit better right now. So if they can uh, continue to build upon what they've established in November, December, and January and get back on track, I think they're... Uh, cruising for a one seed yeah the, the thing that we always say and it gets old I think maybe for our listeners is body of work and it gets lost sometimes when you have a, a rough patch and and Purdue has lost some games recently but that doesn't erase all of the quality work that they did uh, ahead of that with with the number of of wins in quad one and two and and UCLA doesn't have that resume now they have an opportunity for a big win uh, Baylor does have those opportunities and those wins, and and you know they could be. I think those two are spot on. The two teams that could possibly take uh, the spot of Purdue if Purdue should stumble, but I do think they have some room, uh, and and it's going to have to take some wins from those teams and a loss or two by Purdue to make a, a change there. So uh, I, I also think our, our two seed line is solid. Maybe uh, the last two is also in, in jeopardy there. And how do you feel about the Arizona-Kansas State has been a, a discussion between many bracketologists of one of those. Some people have Kansas State on the two line. Uh, some have Arizona on the two line. Where do you stand in, in there? Yeah, so right now I actually do have Kansas State as taking the last two seed um, I checked out both resumes this morning, and Kansas State, although the uh, predictive metrics and the result metrics are lower than Arizona, they do have the quality wins. 
I know Arizona is 4-0 in quad 1A games, but they do have they ha- they've suffered a few uh, quad 3 losses and, and and quad 2 losses as well, which Kansas State does, does really not have on their resume. So, I'm going to say Kansas State for right now, um, but as the season goes on, Arizona is a team that can, you know, run the table from here on out and maybe grab that last two seed. Um, they have looks like a nine and six record in uh, quad one games, and thirteen and seven between uh, quad one and two. So, uh, compared to Arizona State's thirteen and four. Yeah, you know, Kansas State <clears throat> has uh, more wins in quad one. They both are thirteen. If you add quad one and two together, Arizona is thirteen and four, and Kansas is thirteen and seven. Uh, it, it's going to be really tight. Uh, the net of Arizona's 11, Kansas State 16, so that really isn't a huge difference. Uh, the other metrics we would look at. The one thing that uh, for us, we, we have it flipped around the other way, uh, is Kansas State's non-conference strength of schedule of 306. And I'm not sure that that is a huge uh, um, metric or a huge piece of criteria, but when something is really, really, really tight, uh, I do think that the committee may see that Arizona went out and scheduled tougher and is 24 and five and Kansas did not schedule in the non-conference as tough and is 23 and seven. And I think that might be a determining factor uh, for us at least, but I think it's 50, 50 uh, in the bracketology world of, of Arizona or Kansas state. And you're absolutely right. The quad three loss is, a, is could be bigger than the, the strength of schedule, depending on those committee members, uh, and we don't know. There's 12 of them. Uh, if, if people don't like losses, then Arizona is a three seed. If, if they don't like a uh, non-conference schedule, then uh, Kansas State is going to be a three seed. I think it's that tight. Um, Gage, who do you have on the three seed line? You, you obviously have Arizona uh, on the three, three seed line. Who else do you have? Yeah, so following Arizona, I have Tennessee as the 10th, um, I guess, overall seed, seed line team, followed by Gonzaga and uh, Marquette. So I did have Indiana as that last three seed before uh, their loss earlier this week. So Marquette would actually take that last seed line. But it's very tight around that area. Um, You know, not a lot of breathing room, especially with UConn and Xavier um, on the four seed line coming up through the ranks. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, We have the same uh, three teams after the Kansas State-Arizona, you know, questions is answered. Do you let me ask you a question? Do you think that these twelve are somewhat locked in? Obviously, a Kansas State, Arizona wins or losses can go up and down, but I think it's it's hard for our four seeds to maybe crack into. Marquette has won the Big East, solid record. Even if they take a loss, um, I think they're pretty solid on that three seed line. You just moved them in, uh, and we did as well since the reveal. Uh, I think Gonzaga winning the West Coast. And they're in the semifinals. Even if they lose to St. Mary's, that's a loss to a five seed. I don't see we. You know, the next teams are Indiana and, and Xavier and UConn, and I don't know that there is a team on that. And Virginia, I don't know that there's a team on that four seed line that can can get to the three. Would you agree with that or not? I think I would mostly agree. Um, I just don't feel like you know Xavier, UConn even if they were to win a few uh, quad one, quad two games down the stretch. Um, I'm looking at right here, uh, six and five for Xavier and UConn, uh, five and five in quad one games, which is respectable. But taking a look at teams like uh, Gonzaga and Marquette, uh, the metrics uh, like them more, and they have some pretty solid quad one A wins as well. So, 
And, and it's interesting because uh, as of the recent update on our four seed line, you have Virginia at the 30 net, Indiana 29, Xavier 19. Those are typically high metrics and, and you know, the net uh, as well as other metrics, KPI and Ken Palm and all of that are also used on the team sheet. We're just going to reference net in general uh, in, in our discussion. You know, those are those are somewhat high for four seeds, but th- they have great uh, pieces on their on their resume. Um, UConn is the one team that I think the committee did not value in the reveal, had an eight net and had some big wins early in the season and were left out of the top 16. So that's, that's a team on that four seed line, but we, we don't know, we don't think a Virginia, Indiana, Xavier, Connecticut can pop into that top three. So we're, we're pretty much locked in with those top three who on your four seed line is in jeopardy of falling, uh, down with a, a loss or two. Yeah, so right now, uh, Virginia would be the team that's kind of in, in, in jeopardy and, you know, really can't afford too many losses to, to subpar quality teams, which they've either lost to or made those games close uh, lately. So um, the team right behind them in, in my uh, seed list is TCU, who has uh, really kind of impressed impressed a lot of people um, coming off a big win against Texas last night. Um, so that's a team that could maybe take Virginia's spot. ACC is in a relatively down year. So in Virginia, they've looked a little bit um, suspect offensively. So uh, right now, if they keep winning, they'll maintain a four seed. But uh, a few more losses or even one loss could could see them drop down to a five seed. Yeah, and the interesting thing, um, Gage, for us as we've done this is the influence of the conference tournaments. Uh, your commentators and ESPN and all of the places will say that every game is going to make a seed change but the committee starts voting on Tuesday uh, and on mm-hmm. Wednesday, and the Big Ten quarterfinals get started on on Thursday and, and and or Friday. So by Friday, it's likely that the committee already has seed lines one through seven voted in, and they started already seeding them before you have a number one versus a number eight in the Big Ten on noon on Friday, and, and so. Could there be a major change in seed lines one through seven based on what happens Friday or Saturday? Yeah, you could always at the last second make a change. But the conference tourney, like Texas A&M last year, made it to the SEC championship and didn't get in because uh, a lot of this work had been done uh, by your Thursday and Friday night. And and maybe, you know, Saturday morning is the last team voted in uh, type of, of deal. So that's interesting to keep in mind too. The process gets in the way and, and that's frustrating for a basketball fan. Cause if you play a game, it ought to count. If you mm-hmm. say, you know, body of work gauge, then it's body of work. It's not just every game except the last two or three. Right. Yeah. But everyone should, uh, should uh, key in on that too, that uh, when you ask us, what does my team need to do? And if they make a run to the finals and really, that's not going to matter. You got to get your work done this week and this weekend, and maybe in the first game you play, don't don't lose it. Uh, if you mm-hmm. if you're in jeopardy, that that is a key thing to remember. So, Nathan, thanks for uh, you got a couple nice comments in in the chat. Thank you for your support. What's IU's floor, uh, Gage? I'll let you handle that. They're they're a four seed for both of us. They got a game against Michigan and then the Big Ten tournament. If things don't go Indiana's way, what what's their floor seed wise in your opinion? Floor seed wise, um, you know, 
after what we talked about with the with the conference tournaments kind of having you know either it's a lot of a lot of impact or, or not really much um depending on how the big 10 uh conference standings turn out and who gets the double buy because you know it's it's chaos right now everyone has eight losses so if if they can get the double buy and if they lose to michigan lose losing that um the big 10 tournament game I don't think they could drop very far. I think they've established themselves as a four seed. Maybe if something crazy happens, a five seed, but that I would say a five seed would be their floor. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, at worst, maybe the first six. Uh, but when mm-hmm. we talk about our five uh, seed line, you know, I, I think you know it'll help IU to win. If 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 I if IU beats Michigan, I think they're a four seed, regardless of what happens in in the Big Ten term. I think almost lock them in. Uh, if they lose both, uh, you, you made a great point. It depends on if they get a double bye. If you're seven, uh, and I think you'd match up with ten or however that happened um, on, on Thursday, if you have to play on Thursday and lose, that's when you might be dropping down to that, that five seed line. So, Gage, it seems like a relative of yours really appreciates uh, you talking here Um Gavin says that you're you're really well spoken. So uh, thanks for for bringing people in into the podcast. But let's talk five seeds. This is an interesting range because these teams for us are really hard to compare. When you have you mentioned TCU and and we're with you that TCU is a top five seed. I think you got Miami, Florida in there. Uh, some of their metrics and their net uh, keep their quality of of wins seven wins in quad one keep them here in the five seed range. But you got San Diego State and St. Mary's, two outstanding teams out on the West Coast with excellent records, uh, but some limited wins in in the quads. Uh, Smaller conferences that don't get as many opportunities as your TCUs and and other schools. So what team do you like here? And and is there a team that you think can fluctuate out of this uh, five seed area? Yeah, so thankfully, let's start with St. Mary's. Um, a great net. Uh, the the net has has loved them the whole year. Um, top ten, even top five at some points. But I think right now they sit around. Um, let's see, sixth or seventh. Uh, yeah, so eighth in the eighth in the net. So um, that's going to do well for them. Also, similar with Gonzaga, they're already a buy into the. Uh, is it the semifinals of the uh, semifinals? WCC? Yeah. Yeah. So. For them, uh, I don't think there's much fluctuation. Um, I think it's it's been established that even in the uh, selection committee reveal, when they um, revealed the top 16, St. Mary's is mentioned as a possible uh, four-seater, at, at least some discussion about it. So I believe that they're kind of, uh, you know, not really much of a fluctuation there. With San Diego State, um, that's a very solid team, and they don't have any eye-popping wins on their resume, um, but they do have some some quality wins. And I think a five seed right now in the Mountain West is is a pretty successful season, and I don't really see them losing um, down the stretch much. And even if they do, I believe there'd be um, quality. Uh, I, I guess I guess losses you would say. So, not anything that would stain the resume. Do you have Miami on the five line? I do. Yeah, Miami is, and and strange enough for Miami is they're a team that's um, they have a lot of a lot of good wins, but. Uh, they're a little bit lower in the net than, than San Diego State or uh, St. Mary's. And like I said, in the ACC t- tournament, um, if they do lose kind of first day, first round, which I don't see happening, um, that could send them down to a sixth seed. But also um, they have some some opportunities to maybe jump a team like St. Mary's or, or San Diego State if they struggle. So um, I think they're 
not not necessarily a lock as a five seed, but they're in, they're in pretty good shape right now. So you're listening to the Bracket U uh, podcast here, the nitty gritty. We're down to the last few uh, days of the regular season and trying to figure out where where teams uh, will be seated. Uh, make sure uh, we're clear when we the net is a sorting tool. It's not a scoreboard. So if you're the eighth team, you don't automatically get the eighth best seed. But it does say something about how well you play. If you have a low net, you have played well against your competition, and then the committee's got to figure out have you earned that, you know, ranking. So if you're number eight in St. Mary's, that would normally be a two seed, but we're talking about St. Mary's being a five. Why? They don't have the quality of wins or the quantity of wins that a two seed team would have, and so they fall down a little bit. But that does tell you that they're a pretty uh, a good team. And when we get to Utah State on the bubble, Gage and I are both going to be like just throwing our hands up in the air about how to handle that because a 22 net for a team on the bubble is surprising, but they don't have a lot of stuff on their resume to back up uh, the, the mathematical formula. So uh, we use it in our discussions, and sometimes people throw that to us that the net doesn't matter at all. Well, I think it does matter. It's just not the only uh, thing. So remember that as, as we continue to talk here. So Gage, I'm going to throw it. We get to the part here where there's a lot of confusion and, and we can throw darts at the next maybe 16 teams, six, seven, eight, nine, and even a little bit of 10. And you might have someone on the sixth line that I have on a nine and vice versa. And we're not necessarily wrong. Um, it's just going to go to what you value. So I'm going to let you take the, take the six seeds here and then I'll comment on, on where we're at as well. So who do you have on the six seed line? Yeah. So actually on my six seed line, um, would be Creighton, um, Iowa state Northwestern. And then this might come as a little bit of a surprise, but Texas A&M actually would take that last, um, six seed and right, right behind them would be Iowa as the first seven seed. So I do like A&M's um, five quad one wins. Um, their net's 26, which is which is respectable. They do have those uh, two quad four losses, which I believe they uh, um, Wofford and Murray State, I think, were the two teams they yep. lost to. So um, that's where I that's where I was uh, a little bit um, maybe generous to them because they have really turned around this season. But it's a full body of work, so you can't get recency bias. But I do think right now they're a six seed. Right. That that's that's and this is where this middle is so interesting because we have Texas A and M on, on the eight seed line because of those two losses, um and, and and some other issues on their their resume. But Gage, you're not too far off because they have really made a nice run here uh, lately. They did lose, I think, recently to Mississippi State. But you got to look at at the whole entire body. They're twenty two and eight, um, you know, seven and four on the road. We haven't talked a whole lot about how important road wins, and especially one A quality road wins, were with this committee on uh, on the reveal. And so they do have. They're nine and six in in the in, in the quads. I would not be surprised to see them anywhere from the six to to seven seed line. Uh, you said you had Iowa as the top seven. We have Iowa on the on the six seed line. And we had them down at a nine until they beat Michigan State and then they blow out Indiana and their metrics uh, really jumped up to a 33 where we felt that was acceptable to move up into the six or seven uh, seed range. So so we're really close. We agree on Creighton and Iowa State. And man, Gage, Iowa State <clears throat> has fallen. They were a three in the reveal and have not won a game in two weeks. And, and so 
that's not necessarily recency bias. That's just a reflection of that they've lost, uh, I think, eight out of ten or something uh, of that nature. I don't have their schedule uh, pulled up. But uh, they have eight quality wins, and those are going to go a long way. Iowa State will be in, but uh, right now we say six. I wouldn't be surprised to see Iowa State drop another seed line if they lose a game or two uh, before the NCAA tournament. Um, so I'm going to go to the sevens. I had Northwestern as a seven. Uh, so that's real close uh, as well to uh, your line. We had Kentucky on the sixth seed line, by the way, and I, I don't know. Uh, where do you have Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky for me is a seven seed, so okay. we're in the ballpark there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're really close with some of these teams, and that's what I said when you when you get down to here. It's, it's, it's a, there are sometimes I like Northwestern as a six. There are sometimes when I think North, Northwestern losing three, of, three in a row and and with their net of 46, might even be down to the eight. Uh, Illinois is up two right now over Michigan going into the half, I think. Uh, they have some good, solid wins. Northwestern has great wins. That's what's uh, propping them up. Um, but here's my question to you. Where, where do you have Florida Atlantic? Yes, the, um, the story everyone loves to, to hear about this year. Yeah, so I have them as an eight seed right now, but um, – you know, I, I've paid attention to kind of uh, what you guys have stated about Florida Atlantic, where a, a comparative case study would be last year's Murray State, who ended up um, as a seven seed. And I think it's definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, Conference USA is a pretty solid league this year with uh, teams like North Texas, UAB. Um, good. So, you know, the metrics like those teams, which in return helps the quad situation for for a Florida link. I believe they still have two quad one wins, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, you compare that to a team like Charleston has zero, and and that's where you kind of get your, uh, you know, sometimes get your um, difference from. But, yeah, I think uh, they can jump to a seven. I believe if they lose um, some sometime in the Conference USA, they're still in the field, might be an eight or nine C at that point. I, I agree with what you just said there. In fact, our committee uh, of, of six uh, students and three teachers uh, here at Delphi Bracketology, we've kind of said uh, FAU, if they run the table, they're a seven. That means regular season championship and the conference tourney championship uh, with no further blemishes, they're likely a seven. Losing the championship game, we got a tough decision, uh, but lose a, a one of the two regular season games, and they're on the road. I believe they're playing tonight uh, at Rice. If they lose a regular season game, I, I think you're right in putting them in that eight or nine seed. That's still a great uh, season for them. And boy, you're right. The conference conference USA has really jumped up. With uh, UAB has had a solid year. North Texas, and, and I'd almost like to see that group get two bids. I don't think those others are worthy. But boy, I wish the committee would do something. And, and if Oral Roberts or Charleston were kind of jumping the the gun here a little bit on the the last end, but uh, FAU is going to be an interesting team to see if uh, if they do at Murray State last year. They're a seven, and that really messes with our eight and seed line. So let's just—I'm just going to throw out some teams and then have you discuss a team and where you like them because Illinois, uh, Maryland, Michigan State, Arkansas—you had Texas A&M up a little higher than we did. Providence, Missouri, USC, Rutgers—those would be the next eight or nine teams that would fit into your eight or nine seeds. What, what gives you uh, – what do you feel good about uh, on the eight or nine line, and what are you still wanting to see uh, some more data or some more game results uh, before you solidify your eight or nine? 
Yeah, so the team that's kind of um, been been an interesting uh, situation is Missouri. And a lot of – well, I've seen a lot – or uh, Missouri Tigers around the 9, 10, maybe, maybe even the 8 seed line. They have some pretty terrible road losses where they just get kind of blown out. It's like okay, you know, where where do I where do I fit this team now? But they do also have have um, you know pretty good SEC um, conference wins as well. So I think right now I have them as a nine seed, and that's a team where I need to see what they do down the stretch to kind of solidify them wherever they're at. Yeah, we have Missouri on the nine. We have Providence. We go back and forth on Providence between eight and nine, and then. We haven't talked about Arkansas before we got on the air. Uh, we both kind of rolled our eyes when discussing Arkansas. Arkansas has a 15 net. They're 2-8 and eight on the road. They have good schedules, uh, non-conference and, and regular strength of schedule numbers. They're 3-8 and eight in quad one, 4-2. and two. Uh, Seven wins in those two categories is really low compared to most of the other teams in, in our bracket. And they have a quad three loss. Uh, the metrics put them at a four or five. And they have good metrics, not only the net, but the other metrics are pretty solid. But they haven't uh, they haven't got the quality of wins, I guess. They, they do have like three or four wins against the field. How do you feel about Arkansas? Yeah, I was, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about teams that you kind of want a result to kind of make the uh, decision easier. And that was, that was me watching the Arkansas and Alabama game um, a week or so ago. Arkansas fell by like three points. And that, that win would have really established them as, you know, a team that can back up the metrics that they have. Right. I think they have the talent to, to get hot down the stretch. I know we're running out on time with, uh, with games left, but um, right now, I believe I have them around a an eight seed, which is um, I had them as a seven seed last week, and it was a little bit lower compared to some others. So I think right now an eight seed fits them. Yeah, I think they've lost two in a row. We had them up at the six seed, and we don't like to drop a team just because they lose. But when you have teams like Kentucky and Texas A and M that you have up at the six, and Michigan State. And Northwestern, you have teams that are really tight. One result for a team below, and one team result for, uh, or one win or loss for the team above, can really shift things up or down one spot. And if you move from the 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 last seven to the first eight, uh, and, and that's just a movement of one team that can change your your seed line. But yeah, you're you're not alone. Arkansas and Missouri are, are a couple teams. I, I'll add Texas A and M in the whole SEC. Uh, SEC in the Big Ten in this six, seven, eight, nine range, and I don't think we're alone, Gage, because a lot of the people that I follow and have helped me get started are saying the same thing about uh, this seven through nine range. Is you can move people up or down. So uh, we're now at about the ten seed range, and we haven't talked about teams like uh, USC, West Virginia, Rutgers. Um, what, let's just jump to the 10 seed line. Who do you have on the 10 seed line? Yeah, so on my 10 seed line, uh, looks like I have Boise State, uh, West Virginia, Memphis, and Nevada. So. Yep. Um, you're a little bit higher on Nevada than we have. We have them uh, on the 11 seed line, but I'm willing to take a look at that after we're off the show. I, I do think that they probably – I like them better than North Carolina State, uh, and Pittsburgh's loss also – can move Nevada up a little bit. 
Rutgers is interesting uh, for us because we think they have the resume to be a, an eight or a nine, but they're they're they haven't played well uh, since that uh, their small forward got hurt. And the one game that they won, they were down 19 to Penn State and had a miracle comeback. Now, I think they're on the road tonight at Minnesota, and I think they're up uh, double digits or something here at the half. So I do think Rutgers is in, but I wonder if the committee will drop them a seed lower than they should be resume-wise because they really have shown in a six- or seven-game sample that they're not the same Rutgers team that they were before that injury. That's that's a question that we have. So we have Rutgers on the ten. We have West Virginia at the nine and don't like it one bit. Um, <laughs> you know, five and twelve in quad one. The thing is, they only have one loss outside of quad one, and they have really good schedule. So I think West Virginia's in. But boy, I see some have West Virginia in the play-in games. We have West Virginia at the nine. You have them at the ten. I, I think that's someone else we have to watch. Um, and see so as we get down to the very bottom uh gage let's just go to your last four in and and we'll talk about some teams around that who do you have as the last four teams in yeah so last four in as of now uh would be north carolina state utah state pittsburgh and arizona state uh so yeah i feel it's a little bit it's a little bit uh tricky down there but but right now i feel uh, pretty confident about those those selections so you you would have utah state in for wisconsin correct yep okay um and and we we are just the opposite we have utah state as the first team out uh, we we do have wisconsin and we have nevada auburn wisconsin and arizona state i like your north carolina state uh in in that play-in game uh and i could and P- pittsburgh and north carolina state are on the 11 seed line along with the other four teams uh that would be in our first four out. So what do you like about Utah State? It's going to be a controversial call, um, and it could go either way. So share with everyone why you think Utah State should be in. So Utah State, looking at their resume, um, immediately right off the bat, you see you know, 0-3 in quad 1A games, uh, 0-4 in um, quad 1 games in general. and But then you look at their uh, – you know, their, their quad two and, and three um, record. And, uh, you know, it looks pretty good. Um, they, it, it's a team that has stacked up so many quad two wins that, you know, their, their quad three loss and their quad four loss kind of get overshadowed. But um, it's, it's a team that 22nd net, uh, like you mentioned, that's not the end all be all, but that will definitely help. That's, you know, that's the caliber of the team. They just be, um, UNLV at UNLV by, I think, around 20 points, maybe, yeah, 20 points last night. So that that's going to help them, and I just think that that's a tournament team right now. Yeah, you know, and it's going to be an interesting test of the committee because there has never been a team in the 20s left out of the net since the net's been now, this is the fourth or fifth year uh, of the net. And what that says is the teams against their schedule, they've played quality basketball from an offense and defensive efficiency. So – I, I so would rather have Utah State in than some of the 12, 13, 14 lost teams that pile up from the major conferences. I ha- I just It's hard for me to look at that zero. Now, Houston got in with the zero last year as a five seed in the quad one win, but their net was three. Yeah. So that speaks well for Utah State. Um, 
that you know, but they drop down from a, a potential one seed all the way to the five seed. So if you drop from a twenty-two, a six seed, four spots, yeah, ten or eleven, uh, I would not be surprised to see Utah State uh, get in. Uh, Notre Dame only had four quad one and two wins last year and got in because they played well. And I do think Gage the Mountain West is an entertaining and good brand of basketball. Uh, I think Utah State has a huge game. Uh, is it? Um, do they play Boise? I think they play Boise. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And it, and if, if they win that one and win a game in the Mountain West, I think you are going to see Utah State in. And Wisconsin's got to play Purdue, and that's not a bad loss. That probably shouldn't drop them out by themselves. But at some point, Gage, don't you don't you think like teams can't lose a lot? And that's why I don't like West Virginia on our nine line because they have thirteen losses. Uh, unless they win the Big 12, they're going to have 14 losses overall. And that's why I think you see a lot of people have West Virginia in the the last four, and probably rightfully so. But West Virginia's got a 24 net, and they got 10 quad one and two wins. So this is where it gets difficult. Um, What team do you have that could crack uh, into the bracket that is out for you and and – I have a couple, but I want to see what what teams you think are can really make a push. That are yeah, out, so currently um, out. okay, yeah. So right off the bat, Michigan. Um, you know they're playing Illinois right now. Uh, if they do defeat Illinois, that'd probably put them um, in a in a great position in a great position, depending on what Arizona State uh, does tonight as well. Um, that's a team that's been playing well down the stretch. They've kind of found their identity um, over the last few months and. Man, it's just that that Michigan team over the past few years, they've gotten hot in March, you know, whether it's the NCAA tournament yep. or just sneaking in the field. So I think they're poised to do it. And uh, talking about um, conference tournaments, whether it's a huge deal or not, right now they're the two uh, seed projected in the Big Ten tournament. So that eliminates basically having a bad loss in the tournament. And what it does is uh, enables them to get a really you know solid win. So depending on how much the committee takes that into account, it's not like they're in a position where they can lose much. So pick up a win against Illinois. I think they might just sneak sneak their way into the field. Yeah. Part of me thinks one win and they're in two. And I think they're almost have to be in, uh, I think at 19 and 13, let's say they win the two regular seasons, and lose the first game that make puts them at 19 and 13. Uh, if they, if they split these games at Illinois and Indiana, uh, they're going to have 14 losses unless they win the big 10 uh, I, I do, but yeah, I, I would say win two and you're going to feel pretty good. Wolverine fans, um, win one. And I think you're, you're partly in jeopardy. I, I think North Carolina has to beat Duke. Uh, I, I, we have Michigan right with you. We, we agree that Michigan's a team that's going to, that's going to jump in. We, we also have Utah state, which you have in right there, neck and neck, um, to get in. And then we have North Carolina and we have Penn State. Well, I, I think I have Penn State there because I like Micah Shrewsbury a ton. Uh, and I like uh, the picket kid and the way they shoot the three ball. Uh, so I don't know if that's a bracketology move or just a basketball college basketball fan move there. But uh, they have an opportunity to beat Maryland and then go get a game in the Big Ten. And, and you know, but Gage, here's something that I've learned too, that if you want to move teams in, you got to move teams out. Uh, yeah. and, and so, you know, how many, I think Auburn's in jeopardy. Um, 
I, I you know, they're on a 10 line or a 11 line, but they have a chance to fall. I do think there are two or three teams that are really shaky and two or three teams that uh, could possibly get in. But I think you're spot on with, with Michigan. Uh, that They're at halftime right now. So in your first year, what has been the best thing in your experience for diving into this uh, as, a, as a new uh, bracketology? And what would you say to anyone who might want to get started? Yeah, so I think the, the best thing is just having knowledge of the game that's um, in terms of, uh, you know, a guy asked me a question like, you know, how's this team doing? And here I am with every metric and, you know, where they're at in my head. It's like, oh, well, they're blah, 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 blah. So that, that's great. It, it just gives me a further um, further knowledge of the game just to talk about it with friends and, and have an idea of what I'm talking about and kind of give them a summary of how their team's doing. And one thing I would say to anyone getting into this is, you know, the, the game of basketball is amazing, but I think what makes it great is the people involved with it. And, you know, I've told you this before this live stream started. Um, the people in the community of Bracketology have been so helpful through every step, um, especially on Twitter, and just helping everyone um, try and gain as much traffic, as much eyes as possible toward the Bracketology community. And if, if I ever have the question, there's always someone there um, within an hour or two that's just willing to take take five minutes out of their day and just have a conversation with me. So that's I think that's the one thing I would say. It's a community deal, and it's it's great, especially this time of year. So enjoy the run here in the next uh, few uh, days, the 10 days, and then all of a sudden uh, you're lost because you're not looking at spreadsheets and brackets and, and, and quad one wins. And But the nice comforting thing, Gage, is that you do have the NCAA tournament and games to actual watch, and, and you can sit back and uh, – and, and really enjoy basketball after a while. Like, I, I still enjoy it, but I'm watching, okay, Houston's tied with Wichita State. What's that going to do to the bracket? But when we get to the NCAA tournament, it's just, you know, is my is uh, is my bracket that I filled out uh, for the winners going to, to be worth anything or not? But, Gage, it's been, it's been a, a, a really uh, fun time tonight. It's been good to, to talk with you through social media and, and Twitter. Share with everyone where they can find and interact with you uh, about your brackets. Yeah, so um, first and foremost, I do have a Twitter page um, just devoted strictly to bracketology. Um, it's um, at CBBT Bracketology, and you can find that on Twitter. Um, if you have any uh, trouble finding that you could go to Delphi Bracketology who uh, shouted me out thankfully for a live stream opportunity I think you tweeted that earlier today and um, if you guys are on Instagram I have a uh, account called CBB Topic which is a pretty pretty large platform it has a good amount of followers so that gives you more of just schedules and news and stuff like that so that's that's two places where you can find me excellent Gage you did a great job talking tonight I think you're on to some good uh good ideas with your bracket we wish you nothing uh, but luck and and make sure that uh, that uh, we stay in touch and we'll, we'll have more opportunities the rest of this year and then next year definitely we'll incorporate uh, you into some of these podcasts and and take some of your uh, good ideas we wish you nothing but the best at your time at Wabash uh, enjoy enjoy your young college days because someday you know in about 40 years you're going to look like me and hopefully still be doing bracketology but you you are you are an outstanding um uh, young bracketologist we wish you nothing 
nothing but the best. But that's going to do it uh, for our show here uh, on Bracket U. Uh, we will be back early next week, but next week is the Big Ten tournament, and we, Delphi Bracketology, likely will be on scene in Chicago. So we may not have a Thursday night show, but maybe we'll pop up Monday or Tuesday night with the show. But you can follow all of our work at DelphiBracketology.com. We put out uh, seed lists and brackets. Uh, we'll do that maybe every day going forward. And then on Twitter, uh, our handle is at Delphi Brackets. Uh, get a hold of us. We'll try to answer any and all of your questions. We urge you to check out our donation page where you can help us with all the costs associated with our, our, our club. And for Gage Bussinger, I'm Coach Tonsoni uh, wishing you good night and that your team continues to win the big games. <laughs>